This is the final word, World Cup Daily, Day 38, Part 2. Uh, Jeff Lemon and Barrett Sundarason with you. We are in different places tonight, Barrett, so I have gone full bathrobe because this is our last group game of the World Cup. There is one more game to come. Adam and Cam Ponsonby will do India-Netherlands tomorrow. For me and you, it's time to kick back for a couple of days. This is it. We started next to a pool, didn't we? So it's only ideal that if we finish uh, with you at least in a bathrobe. Uh, my guest house hasn't offered me one. It feels like many, many moons ago when we stood atop uh, one of the hotels that you were staying in in Chennai, overlooking a pool. Uh, I... I I'm going to say it was 17 years ago, but yeah, we've got here finally Mm. and we have the semi-finals to look forward to. We have aged since then. The show is brought to you by Westfield London and Westfield Stratford City. And it is time for a 30-second summary. England played, played Pakistan today and England remembered how to bat. There were half centuries for Johnny Bairstow, Joe Root, Ben Stokes, a bit of hitting at the end from Harry Brook, and they got up to 337 for nine after Pakistan bowled okay in the first bit, but then not so much after that. Um, and then Pakistan were nowhere chasing it. Both openers out for one run between them, and that was pretty much it. If it wasn't going to be a Fakhr Zaman miracle, it wasn't going to happen. Barbara Azam and Mohamed Rizwan poked around, cramped up um, and then got out and then the rest of it was a bit of a procession until there was some happy slapping right at the end of the innings. Uh, they were all out for 244 Pakistan and England won by 93 runs. So kind of kind of pointless Barat. Didn't mean mm. a lot except it, it gets England up out of the drop zone. There was that, you know, everybody was enjoying the Champions Trophy qualification <laughs> sub-narrative that was there. And there was the Hail Mary for Pakistan going into this game that if they could bat first and make 400 and bowl out England for 150 or so, then they might get above New Zealand on net run rate. Basically, as soon as the coin came down for England and they chose to bat, that was it. Pakistan couldn't qualify realistically at that stage. And then it was just a matter of playing out a dead game. And my God, the games today were dead. Like the first game as well, as magnificent as the Mitch Marsh 100 was, they were the deadest of games. And and I'm just, I feel very grateful that at least this didn't start a week ago because there was a very real risk that it Mm. could have started a week ago had some results not made things interesting through the middle of the table. Oh, I had that fear as well. Uh, What, two weeks ago? It looked like the top four, as we have found, it is that same top four, um, had booked mm-hmm. themselves in for semi-final berths. It was really going to be a question of who finishes third and who finishes fourth. Um, and then everything just went wild or relatively wild. I mean, that kind of tells you how um, sort of predictable uh, the early half was after India, New Zealand and South Africa in particular just ran away uh, at the top of the table. But but you're right. I mean, things have gone back. But today there were just, especially in the Pakistan-England game, there were two significant moments that decided the game, right? The toss you spoke about, England playing classic party poopers saying, oh, I know you have a chance of making the semi-finals if you bat first. But no, we'll bat first. Uh, but you can't blame Joss Butler either. They had that Champions Trophy um, qualification up for grabs as well. Or maybe they had uh, uh, to make sure that they get there. And the second point was, uh, could uh, Pakistan chase down 338 in 6.1 overs? Well, unfortunately, they could not. Uh, but also, I found it funny that they were 30 for two. I mean, it's not like they were 80 and like giving it a go. Not that it would have made any sure. sense. But that made a dead rubber even deader <laughs> that Pakistan was scoring at four and a half runs in an over or an over in a game where... 
albeit the game was done and the uh, this fate was sealed but where they were supposed to show some urgency they were just taking it slow mohammed rizwan and barbarism was just like you know uh, picking up singles picking up twos like it's the second game of the tournament you still have four mm-hmm. weeks left right and 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 what is the point at this stage right? what is <laughs> what is the point so so pakistan finished fifth regardless they they still had their eight points and their net run rate didn't suffer that much so their place there was nothing to play for there and they're the hosts anyway supposedly for the champions trophy so they should qualify on that basis england actually get all the way up to seventh at the moment so they're out of the drop zone even if the dutch Mm. managed to beat india somehow um, the dutch would get out of the drop zone and bangladesh and sri lanka would go down if that happened but but england are safe but yeah it was it was astonishing that i mean okay you're not gonna hit 37 balls in a row for six um, and even if you did it's still not going to get you to the total because no. 37 times six is what 103 310 yeah. or something um, I don't know someone who can do arithmetic on the fly can can work that out you, you're still not going to win the game in time but still but still the fact that it's okay the fact that Abdullah Shafiq's out second ball of the innings David Willey left arm bit of in swing blows his pad off doesn't review which I liked because he was mm. stoned and then third over, Fakhar skews a top edge. That was the that was the Tendulkar in the 2003 World Cup final shot, right? Yeah. Where you're like, if yeah. this team's going to win this game, this guy has to go after it. Yeah. He does go after it. He gets out early, and that's game over. Goes to mid-off. And then Barbara and Rizwan put on 51 in 68 balls <laughs> in, in a game where they're supposed to go at 36 and over. They're just like, eh, well, I guess we'll just have a bat now and see how this turns out and see if we can notch ourselves a morale-raising win while we finish fifth on net run rate for the 14th tournament in a row. Um, yeah, it, it was it was weird and it was a little bit annoying, but I suppose it wasn't that surprising, mm. you know. And then they go, Barbara pulls a, a ball to mid-wicket on 38. Um, Rizwan gets bowled by Moen coming down and slogging and the ball turns and he has a, a very Rizwan sort of cramp attack um, on 36. They're 104 yeah. in the 23rd and any hope that they're even going to win the game um, in 49.4 overs pretty much is gone at that point. What was your take on the toss, though? I mean, did you think that um, England would make it interesting by giving Pakistan the chance to make 400 and then bowl them out for 112? I, I mean, why should they, though, right? Like, it's not that... Why? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, why, why should they offer that opportunity to Pakistan on a platter? I mean, let's face it. I mean, both teams have had... Uh, not just disappointing um, campaigns. Uh, yes, Pakistan had a couple of decent moments. The World Cup record chase and that uh, incredible match against New Zealand where obviously the rain uh, helped their cause, but they were so far ahead on uh, DLS, you can't uh, uh, say they uh, they got extremely lucky. Uh, but they've been they've, they've not been entertaining either. I mean, it's not like they've, they've had campaigns where you can look back at it and say oh but there was so much fun i mean this was you mm. could uh, talk about this aspect and maybe laugh at them they've just been dull more than uh anything both both teams to be honest uh, except mm. at least pakistan had those two games but england they've just been dull there's nothing uh, there's been nothing that you could write home about it's been uh, a very similar trend of sorts until uh, the last two games obviously they've started getting mm. some runs on the board when it didn't matter it was interesting like purely for the bowling in, in the back half when you had Rashid and Moen bowling together and this pitch was really turning like it, it was it was doing quite a bit um, s- some things that could have been Hall of Fame worthy if it, the Hall of Fame wasn't already packed full like Rashid 
bowling a left hand around his legs with a wrong one. So normally, you know, the leg spinner's bowling yeah. the right hand around the legs. Um, but but to, to float one up to Saad Shaquille and, and knock over, not even leg stump, but middle stump with the wrong one that yeah. turned so far. And then to get shut up with the right-hander with a wrong one that turns in, the leg spinner can't read the googly, which is kind of funny at the same time. Um, Iftikhar is skying Moen to, to mid-off and, and Dav Milan takes that crazy catch falling backwards and loses his sunglasses and mm. does a big backward roll and all the rest of it. So that was pretty entertaining. And then there was the milestone derby towards the back end of the Pakistan yeah. innings where David Willey's on 99 ODI wickets, Rashid's on 199, um, and and this is a less significant one, I guess. But Chris Wokes is on level with Botham on 30 World Cup wickets for England, which is the record. Right. Now, I mean, breaking a record like that in such a dismally unsuccessful campaign wouldn't yeah. be a huge thing to celebrate. You're not going to be making up a t-shirt and uh, riding the plane home wearing it. But it was it was like, who does Butler bring on at this point? Because they they all knew this stuff, and and. It ends up being that Willie ends up getting it. He get he gets Aga Salman, who who was good, made fifty one and hit a few, yeah. um, hit a six and a few fours when when things were uh, needed a bit of a pickup late in the game. He hits one to mid off. Stokes catches that. Um, so Willie gets gets that record, um, and then Wokes gets his because he ends up getting one of the last ones to fall. Um, but Rashid doesn't. So if Adil Rashid wants his two hundred, he's going to have to play at least one more ODI from this point when you think okay he's got a new contract but that might be for t20 stuff for the most part and he might otherwise have thought that's it for 50 over cricket will he play a little cheeky series against ireland at some point have a feeling he might i think he will i think he'll continue on for uh, maybe a year or so uh, i was also reading uh, i think matt rollers wrote about how they don't have a replacement ready made for adil rashid uh, parkinson and mason crane i've just kind of come and gone in some some ways and uh, Rehan Ahmed is still really young uh, and Adil Rashid is still a very fit guy um, and you can use white ball cricket 50 over cricket to uh, keep yourself going keep yourself in rhythm uh, for the T20 cricket and he let's face it the next five seven years Adil Rashid is going to play a lot of T20 cricket in England for England and definitely around the world so uh, you know having a couple of one day series here and there uh, he won't lose it now that he does have that contract like he said uh, but I think it was a game where you're also whether it was with Ben Stokes or with Joe Root or David Milan or David Willey or all of them and even a few in the Pakistan uh, camp you're watching them play and wondering is this the last time I'm seeing this guy in this format uh, and with Ben Stokes you would think so and it's only apt that if this were to be his last ODI that he got cleaned up by an in-swinging Yorker uh, on, a, on a on a day where he played a very Ben Stokes kind of innings I mean there were a periods mm. where he tried all sorts of funky shots that didn't come off but overall it was a Ben Stokes innings and uh, you thought he's going to finish with another 100 but then to be cleaned up uh, by and, and uh, if I were a bowler bowling to Ben Stokes I would want to clean bowl him he always makes the ball look better than it was right just mm. with the way his follow through is after he gets cleaned up so um, yep. similarly with Saad Shaquille as well I mean the number of times in cricket in the history of the game batters have been bowled uh, you know around their legs all of them react the same way as if what I was bowled behind Whoa, my legs how, what? how did that happen why that's not I possible know. that's never happened before <laughs> it, it's amazing how all of them react like that like you know I've never been bowled yeah. around my legs so I don't know whether I would have reacted the same way but yeah it's it, it's amazing how that happens but yeah and with David Willey as well right gets the hundredth wicket he hits a six in his last game uh, you know provides he had the 
classic David Willey game to finish, right? Some runs in the end, wicket with a new ball, wicket in the death, mm-hmm. still went for a few runs. Uh, that's David Willey's career in a nutshell. Belted a couple, what he, he, he whacked 4-6-4 four, four in an over um, and then gets caught off Muhammad Wazim at the death, who is getting the ball to reverse, by the way. Yeah. I mean, that's almost Hall of Fame worthy. We've seen no reverse in this tournament yeah. um, and Mo Wazim was getting it to go right at the end there. Um, he bowls Gus Atkinson too first ball, so that means... I know people have been enthralled following this stat watch. Gus Atkinson's batting strike rate in World Cup cricket now falls below Glenn Maxwell. So there are now only six uh, players with a higher batting strike rate in World Cup cricket than Glenn Maxwell. Um, And none of them has faced more than 36 balls. Maxwell's faced 556. Good to keep good, good, keep tabs on that. Reese Topley is still up there. So if we have a look at the England innings, it was maybe the, the chemistry is finally starting to build just in yeah. time for, for Bairstow and, and Milan, who, who put on a partnership, dominant partnership, 82 by the 14th over. Milan top edges a little reverse eventually on 31. Um, if Takara and, and Rizwan takes the catch behind, juggles it a few times, but eventually takes it. Um, Bairstow gets to 59 and nails Harris Ralph to cover where he gets caught. And then 132 mm. runs stand between Root and Stokes. I thought Stokes looked good today. I mean, he, he, yeah. he went after the bowling more. He was smacking over the leg side a fair bit. He was hobbling between the wickets. He looks like a guy yeah. who needs a knee operation, weirdly. Mm. But he also looked like if he wasn't there, things might have been more difficult for England. 84 yeah. off 76. Um and although he should have been out very early on because Shaheen dropped a couple. Yeah. He, he dropped Milan return catch. Then he dropped Stokes return catch, even easier. He's got to learn to fucking catch off your own bowling, Shaheen. Like these, yeah. Those were very straightforward. Very you see Mitchell Stark yeah. take those kind of catches all the time. Left arm quick. It's going to come back at you Like if it stops in the pitch a bit. And you see Stark take those one-handed yeah. even and Shaheen was getting two hands to them and dropping them. Like he Again, he was like, oh, I can't believe it bowled me around my legs. Can't believe someone hit the ball back at me. Ooh. That's going to happen. Like, especially when it's swinging in a bit and, and cramping them for a room. So, look, that happens. Um, and, and Stokes goes on to his 84. And then, as you say, left, it's Shaheen eventually. Left arm is swinging in. Mitchell Stark gets Ben Stokes out a lot as well. And, and similar one, absolutely loses off pole, which looks terrific. Um, yeah. And then Root, the slower ball, leading edge of Freedy to shut up Khan at backward point for 60. Um, and, and, and Butler should have been out for 13, but Harris Ralph stuffs up the catch, yeah. steps on the rope. So, you know, they, but by that point, basically, England have set up the, the innings so that the rest of it's just icing the cake. I think, you know, where both England and Pakistan, the way they played today, uh, I mean, yes, Pakistan were poor in the field uh, overall, but they seem to be peaking at the right time. You know, they, they should. I think if I was England or Pakistan and or both, uh, I would just sign off this one-day series that you can play on the sidelines somewhere. There are a lot of grounds ready in India right now. Uh, just stay back, play play a three-match one-day series because I I would watch that one-day series. They just peaked at the right time. So what if the World Cup is over? Let the South Africa yeah. and India and all of them play the semi-finals. You go and have a one-day series. Like you know, you you have players in form. Um, maybe you know Adil mm-hmm. Rashid can get that 200th wicket. I, I, I call for the uh, an England-Pakistan ODI series to be organised immediately. This would really work, actually, if India ever get knocked out of a World Cup at the group stage. <laughs> you could you could just play you would play two India semi-finals and then an India final as well. So maybe Pakistan and England can set the precedent now, so that we've got that in in, in the bank, literally for the ICC for next time. Uh, I think it's time for the final word: Hall of Fame. 
Hall of Fame, where we pick our most final word moment of the day, brought to you by Westfield London, Westfield at Stratford City. You've got a new campaign that they're running here. Barat, it starts as such. Would you like to meet a man with a massive sack who is capable of miracles and can dispatch gifts to even the most difficult to reach spaces? It's not Glenn Maxwell, it's Father Christmas. Journey through a starlit sky before meeting the big guy in the red suit himself at the Wish Upon a Star Santa experience at Westfield London and Stratford City from the 8th of December. It's free. You can take your own pictures, so it's it's the most affordable oh, nice. Santa experience because the other places always sting you. You go to meet Santa, great, you're supposed to get a gift from Santa, and then they're like, by the way, that'll be $38 for the photo of your adorable screaming three-year-old sitting on Santa's knee. You know, that's where they get you. They get you with the guilt money through your children. They make you feel guilty about being a bad parent if you don't shell out you can just take your own pictures at westfield that's that's the good part um tickets going fast if you miss out on tickets i think the easiest thing to do is just hit up mayor adam on twitter and we will forward you to the most uh, to the relevant person um, rather than trying to spell out urls and twitter handles and all the rest of it um get in touch with us tell us you're a pod listener and we'll sort you out uh, you know how much i love my home alone and christmas movies growing up uh, is there an yeah. age gap on how old or how young you can be before you get to sit on Santa's knee. I've always wanted to do that. Like, will will okay? Will it be allowed? I'm sure it's come I up. Want- I'm sure. I'm, sh- I'm sure it's come up before. I'm sure there are some people who get down there, um, who, who are of the older persuasion. And so I yes. think. I think with your with your childish uh, enthusiasm and wonder for the world, they couldn't deny you if you show up at, at Stratty or Westfield London. Santa, okay. here I come. So there's our booking for Christmas. Uh, so I've, I've got, I'm going to start with a couple of Joe Root bits today, Barrett. There were two things mm. I loved. One is that um, there's a guy moving around above the, above the sight screen at one point, and Joe Root is absolutely popping off about it. He's waving his arms around. He's getting very agitated. He's like, move, move. So the TV camera cuts to the area above the sight screen. And, of course, what does the dickhead do? Sees he's on TV and starts <laughs> waving at the TV camera frantically. <laughs> <laughs> we know that people all around the world love to get on TV cameras, but it's like maybe here more than anywhere, getting on yeah, the camera oh, yes. is, is is the most important thing. And that was I found that hilarious. Um, also, Joe Root finally got over the line for a thousand World Cup runs. No wow. England player has ever done it. Now he started the tournament on seven fifty eight, right? He made seventy seven and eighty two in his first two mm. knocks. He's going to breeze it in. He's on nine hundred and seventeen runs, and then six innings go by, and he goes from nine seventeen. <laughs> to 964 can't make a fucking run can't get there um he's got one more innings which was today he's not going to play another world cup is he you might think he is but i don't think that's going to happen and then he makes 60 today and finally gets there a bit of a damp squib at the end of a dead campaign but he staggers over the line um, and now makes it 28 players in men's 50 over World Cup who've got a thousand runs. That's the thing with England and one day cricket, right? Like their stats never tally up to everyone else, even though one day cricket started there. Like when it comes to, we've spoken about this in the past as well, the overall tally of runs, centuries or whatever. And Joe Root has really been that one guy who's uh, ensured that an English player at least appears in the top 15, top 20 uh, brackets, whether it's like when it comes to centuries or I think runs, he still has a long way to go. I mean, you'll have Indians who made 15,000, yeah. 14,000 runs and uh, first Englishman to get past 6,000 ODI runs. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, totally. they've played catch up all along. So it's good. 
that finally we're getting some of those names coming through. But yeah, I mean, I didn't mm. mention Joe Root playing his uh, arguably his final World Cup match, final ODI. I don't know, uh, maybe. But it, just the way he got out as well for me, Joe Root, the, the way he gets out, the bat turns in his hand, and he's got that classic shake of his head, saying, "Why is the world against me?" Which kind of, for me, just the expression on his face summed up England's campaign, like the whole "Why is everything against? Why is the World Cup against us?" is uh, has been mm. the narrative that's come through a lot. Um, I think we have to focus a little mo- bit more on the Rizwan dismissal, right? The whole cramps thing. Uh, is it cramps? Is it acting? Uh, it was his famous quote after he got Pakistan over the line in that game. And it was almost like the cramp karma coming to bite him today. <laughs> Gets bold, tries to jumping out at Moin Ali. And then he's just left there. It's not like anyone came to his aid like they did when he was you know, taking them home against Sri Lanka. So uh, it was kind of, there's a bit of irony in it. Mohamed Rizwan is a popular guy, he's a funny guy, but uh, yeah. it was just funny that that's how his World Cup ended. His calf just seized up completely by the looks of it, so he fell over, and all the England players just ran past him to celebrate. Um, <laughs> so, hmm, we figured that one out. It's slightly embarrassing, I suppose, but he was keeping wicket for 50 overs in the heat yeah. uh, as well, so the, you, you've got to pop that in there. Which brings me to pickle juice. Um, Simon Dool on commentary wondering how the use of pickle juice to repair cramps was first discovered. And Matthew Hayden's response is, it might have been the farmers out in the field harvesting the pickles. (laughs) Harvesting the pickles? You've written cookbooks. It's a cucumber that you put in vinegar for a while. You don't grow pickles. There's no pickle tree. There is no magic pickle tree, Matthew. That is not how pickles work. Um, <laughs> a, a couple, a couple more before we go. Um, Harris Rouse's little fake out when he stepped back on the rope for that six, and you can tell he stepped on the rope because his yeah. body jolts and he goes oh, and then he throws the ball back in, and then he signals to his teammates like, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, you definitely know you stepped on the rope, dude. Come on. And then Blocker Wilson with his run out referral. When Butler is about three yards out, direct hit from backward point, non-strikers end. Pakistan players go up. Butler starts walking off and Blocker goes, we'll send that upstairs. Come on. <laughs> Pop the finger up. Give it out. Anyway, that's my, uh, that's my final group uh, stage Hall of Fame. Uh, there, was, there was a misfield for me that stood out as well. I think early on in England's innings when uh, Wasim was bowling and uh, Fakhar Zaman just let one through his legs. It was, it was classic Pakistan, right? Like it was plus, pa- classic Pakistan in this tournament and especially in this game he comes running around and the ball's gently rolling towards him but he still somehow manages to to get that ball through his legs yeah there you go england and pakistan had to finish with a few bl- howlers a few blunders and that's what we saw today well england stagger over the line that means three wins for them for the tournament um and and that means the end of the show for us it's been the final word world cup daily day 38.2 jeff lemon barrett sunderace and thanks to westfield london and stratford city if you want to support the show go to patreon.com slash the final word and of course, the final word is not over. There will be uh, ep- there'll be the Daily Show tomorrow. There'll be a historical ep on Monday, and there will be what we'll start getting into previews and so on for the oh, semi-final yeah. um, ahead of midweek semi-final and final Daily Shows, of course, and story time all in the mix as we surge towards the finish line of the 2023 Men's ICC ODI World Cup. It takes one day, Barat, and this day is over. Sorry if I ran out to empty both this so you know what I meant here. I had to go.